Hi, I'm Annie Fitzsimmons. I'm your Washington Realtors Legal Hotline Lawyer. And this is another video in our series entitled Perspectives on a Transitioning Market. And Shelly, thank you for getting back in the studio with me. Yes, I'm loving it. And we'd like to introduce Jen Dempsey. Thank she you is an escrow officer extraordinaire. So grateful that you are here with us today, bringing your, sorry, I hope this doesn't date you, but your years of experience in this industry, which is why you are so valuable to us in the studio today, sharing your perspectives on how brokers can help escrow accomplish the goal of the transaction, right? So Jen, before we get started, would you introduce yourself, please? Yes, I'm Jen Dempsey, and currently I work at Thurston County Title in Olympia. So thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm yeah. excited to talk to you guys about communication and our changing market as it is, so which is ever changing in real estate. And just just so we really know what you're that you know what you're talking about, you've been in this industry for a little while? Yes, I've been in this industry for a little over twenty five years. Okay. Don't, yes, don't date me. <laughs> so you've been through a transition or two? Yes, I have. All right. Um, you've seen sellers markets, you've seen buyers markets. Hmm. And you've seen brokers through all of these markets, I right? Have. And I've worked in a few different states, so California, Oregon, Texas, and Washington now. So, all right, of them. excellent. So, Jen, what are you seeing right now? We've been talking in this video series about the transitioning market. So, recognizing that you know, six months ago, sellers were writing all the rules in the industry. What are you seeing today? Um, it's kind of shifting a little bit towards buyers. Um, not, it's still kind of a not a really happy medium yet. Um, but meaning the, that sellers still have a little more power. Yeah, still okay. a little bit. Um, houses, it looks like in the least in our area here in Thurston County, um, still a um, little bit more houses on the market, and they're staying on the market a little bit longer. Um, in the escrow process specifically, what are you seeing? Um, housing um, escrows are taking a little bit longer to close. Um, a little bit different loan programs. Um, not as many cash buyers. Um, okay. Sellers are doing a little bit more carrybacks. Um, Interesting. And you're already seeing seller carrybacks. Mm -hmm. Yep. And when you say seller carryback, you're referring to notes and deeds of trust and real so seller cards. carrying some of the financing. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay, we'll hold, let's hold that. We'll come back to that. Yep. Um, and then for uh, financial institutions, different loan programs. Um, so adjustable rate mortgages, we've seen those um, to help the buyers out. Okay. So. Are you seeing then that with these new loan programs, uh, you mentioned this, I think, but escrows are taking longer because sometimes of the new loan programs? Is that what you said? I think you said a little longer closings. Tell me about that. Um, I think that that might be part of it, um, just a little bit extended period. So instead of the typical two to three weeks, it's more like a month, month and a half. So it might be due to the differences in underwriting for those loan programs. Are you seeing that brokers are already accommodating for that in their initial writing of the purchase and sale agreement? Or are you seeing the need for more and more closing date extensions? How, how is that? Um, I think that they're accommodating for that. Okay. I think they're talking to the lenders up front and getting that. Okay, good. Yeah. So you're seeing offers being written instead of with a 20 or 30 day close with a 45 day yeah. close. Okay. Mm -hmm. yep. um, 
What about the in the escrow process getting the payoff figures? Are you expecting as the market transitions that there's going to be any difference in the pay in that aspect of escrow? I do. Eventually, that will come around um, as the market shifts more towards buyers and if there's um, sellers and equity issues. Um, if we deal with short sales or foreclosures, um, we'll have to eventually see a shift in closing dates. Um, mortgage brokers or mortgage lenders will need a little bit of extra time to do research on foreclosures and short sales. Um, so brokers will have to um, work with us and their sellers in getting those. Um, so mortgage lenders will need a little bit extra to do that research on either first and seconds um, for payoffs. Um, typically it takes, you know, either 24 hours to 48 hours for us to get a payoff, but with foreclosures or short sales, it can take five to 10 business days and sometimes longer um, because the, uh, the existing lien holder wants to make sure that with the seller's netting, they're not gonna get back. They wanna make sure that they're getting exactly what they get back in their payoff so that the seller is not getting any cash back or if they're getting cash back, it's minimal. Okay, so, so you're, just to be clear, you're not seeing that right now? No, we haven't seen very many, if any. Okay, but you're anticipating that if the market continues on the trajectory or, or declining trajectory, that you're gonna see more of that like you did in the, we're never gonna go back to the short sale market of 2008. Yeah, we're not gonna do that, we're yeah. just not, right? I'm hoping that that doesn't happen because <laughs> that was that was horrible, but hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, I, don't, I don't foresee that in the near future. Um, I haven't seen anything like that, but if that does happen, we we will have to work with our, our realtors and okay. our sellers in regards to that. But Go ahead. I just want to point out a thing. I know you're saying in Thurston County you haven't been seeing it, but in my area for Clark and Collins County, we have been. Okay. Not a lot of foreclosures, very, very few short sales. We've had a few here and there, but um, we are seeing foreclosures every now and then, and they have equity, so they're not a short sale, but they are in a financial situation where they, they have a, a sale date on the courthouse steps. So Shelly, what does a broker, is it communication with the escrow officer, maybe it's the title officer, maybe it's just doing their own background research, what does a, a real estate broker need to know so that they can build enough time into a closing date to allow for escrow to do the work that escrow's gonna have to do knowing that there might be a short sale or there might be a foreclosure, something like that. What does a broker yes. need to access in order to, to at least have that first hint? So it's your title report. And this falls on the listing agent. When the listing agent goes to meet with someone, hopefully they've either had a prelim or they're getting one right after that meeting so that they can see what is on that title report. And if you don't understand what you're reading, you need to pick up the phone, talk to that title officer, have them explain talk it to, to you, escrow. talk to escrow, and, and they can help you understand what is going on and, and what this picture is. Of course, you're going to ask your seller, are you current on your mortgage? And a lot of people forget to ask that, but they should be asking, are you current on your mortgage? And then take the conversation from there. I would like to ask in regards to a forbearance, 
on these title reports, what are you seeing on those as we are now coming into sellers that are selling that may have done a forbearance? How does that look? So um, we have actually had a lot of forbearances um, due to COVID and everything. So they'll just record another instrument that shows that there's a forbearance. Um, we actually, when we send out our opening documents, we ask them if they've done a forbearance, um, but there's some sort of modification recorded that shows that they've done a forbearance. Um, we ask, so one big thing that we ask for communication, um, we send out an opening letter in the beginning and we always carbon copy our agents. If we don't get a response back from the sellers within a couple days, we'll contact our agent and just say, we need to talk to our sellers. Um, first, we need authorization to even talk to their lender. We also need to know who the lender is because as you know, most times when a person buys a house or refinances, that mortgage gets transferred right away. So it's not gonna be the lending company that lended them the money. So we'll need to know who that company is. We need their social security number typically, and we will also need to know who the company is. So Okay, so a broker can help you yes. do your job right. by getting all of that client contact information and background information to you up front. Mm -hmm. Um, it's helpful, um, address or email addresses, phone numbers, cell phone numbers, um, but working together as a partner with the listing agent um, and letting them know, hey, I'm not going to always be able to, you know, work through, you know, this is the team, the escrow team that's going to be working together. Um, they're going to email you. We have a team email, but, you know, just saying this is the escrow team I work with, the title company. This is what they do. This is, you know, they're going to be ordering your mortgage payoff. They're going to be talking to your lender. Um, you're going to have to work with them directly. Okay, so Jen, you don't, you didn't hear this. You haven't seen this video probably that Shelly, uh, and I made earlier talking about brokers working with buyers and setting expectations. What I hear you saying is that Shelly, this needs to be under that umbrella of setting a buyer's expectations and helping them through the process. You're going to hear from escrow. You need to respond. Whether it's I'm sorry, I work with buyers or sellers. sellers yeah. You need to respond, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just something that goes in the junk drawer. It you need to respond to these to mm -hmm. these communications. Yeah, we're a partner in crime with your <laughs> with your agent, you know. Um, so we're kind of the ones in the background that you know are getting all the paperwork together and that sort of thing. But we've asked sellers to come in and and bring all the documents that they've gotten in regards to forbearance or foreclosure, so that and you know we've actually talked talked to them and gone in a conference room and gone on speakerphone because sometimes the mortgage companies get a little stinky and they don't okay. want to talk to us. So you're saying communication mm -hmm. is super important. It is. It communication is. between the title officer and the broker, communication between the title officer and the lender, the buyer's lender, the seller's underlying lender, with the seller themselves. With the, You need communication. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm hearing you say. Yep. What, okay. What best practices when you have a seller who has done a forbearance would it be best for that listing broker to call you before we even go on the market and get the process started as to what does this forbearance look like to start the process on the payoffs so when an offer comes in, we're good. We, we know the dollars we're talking about. A lot, of, um, a lot of my agents, when they know that they've talked to a client and there's something a little different, like a power of attorney 
for a probate or forbearance, they'll order a listing report. So um, a, a prelim, mm -hmm. a lot of people call them a little bit different. We call them listing reports. So they'll pull up a, a title report before they've even gotten a buyer just to look at the property to see what's on there. And if there's any questions, they'll either call me or our title officer just to kind of go through that. Um, but And if there's like a power of attorney, they'll submit that to get approved beforehand or they'll if there is a forbearance on there they'll you know they'll ask me do you think that there's going to be a problem ordering that ahead of time and they'll submit documents to us to approve and and look at beforehand so that way when a buyer does come we're ready to roll um, okay. we have everything you know and we'll that way we have a a, a relationship with the seller already um, and then and it's easier because you can say when when a buyer and a buyer's agent come along that hey, we have a power of attorney, we're gonna sign with this, or there is a forbearance, but we've already worked with our escrow team and our title team, and we already have it cleared. Okay, so let's let's make sure everybody's operating on the same page here. You referenced a title report and a prelim. You've referenced a listing same thing. report. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna use the term preliminary commitment for title. There we go. Every broker needs to, every listing broker needs to order a preliminary commitment for title at the time the listing is taken, not before, but after. This is very expensive for a title company to prepare the preliminary commitment for title. But Jen, what you're saying is that then everybody, the whole escrow process is going to be built around that preliminary commitment for title, whether it's forbearance it's going to show up on there, ordering payoffs, it's going to be ordering payoffs based on the liens that show up there. So Jen, uh, I, I'm a listing broker. I'm trying to win this listing. Can you, are there tools that you can empower me with even prior to me getting the seller to sign that might help me persuade the seller that I'm the right choice for them? Well, the prelim is one of them. I mean, you're, you're showing them that you're active and helping Okay, but them. we're not gonna order the preliminary commitment prior to getting the listing. If I call you and say, Jen, how, what, what tools do you have available to you to, that I can present to the seller? What about seller proceeds? Can you help me with that? You can. Yep. Okay, tell me about that process. So if you were to call me and tell me that you um, are working with a seller and you gave me a property address, I can look up the taxes. Um, I can give you a net sheet if you were kind of, you know, estimating sales price and you gave me the taxes, I can give you a round rough net sheet. Um, if you gave me kind of what their estimate on their payoff was, I can give you a net sheet. Do you have brokers do that? Mm -hmm, I do. Do do they report that that's a powerful tool for them? And it is. Um, okay. I know that in programs for MLS and everything, you guys have net sheets. Um, ours are obviously a little bit more specific in regards to fees because all title insurance companies have different underwriters and different escrow fees and you know courier fees and that sort of thing. Right. So it's a little bit more specific for each escrow and title company. Okay. So, yeah. So if if the broker gets a, a seller proceeds sheet from you prior to getting the listing, they get the listing, then they order the preliminary commitment for title. Now we see that there are encumbrances recorded mm -hmm. against title of the property. Is, is that when the listing broker should come back to you and say, Jen, can you help me update the seller proceeds? Yep, we can do that. Okay. Yeah. Usually there's not a typically a huge change, but if they've got a payoff on there that they didn't expect, if there's a lien like for taxes or an HOA lien or that sort of thing, then we can kind of talk to them about that. So. Okay. And so then when you get those actual payoff numbers, would that be yet yeah. another update to the? Yeah, especially if they're moving on and like moving to another 
home or you know and they need that for their lender or something then we can definitely provide that to them okay you can help them drill down on that number exactly. in advance yeah and, and also Shelly does that go to when you're telling helping sellers consider price drops that kind of thing seller now we've got your payoffs or at least we have the title report we know does that help the broker counseling the seller with respect to price drops it does because if we're we're talking hey we need to reduce our price ten thousand here is what your estimated proceeds will then look like um, I think it's crucial um, that anytime you do a price change you do a new net sheet when you get an offer you do a net sheet to that offer and if there was any counter offers going back and forth in relation to money you get if you can either another revised net sheet or you just do the math yourself so that that seller Oof. understands no, I know no, no. let's not say that <laughs> okay we won't do the math ourselves <laughs> we will call escrow to help us Jen if we call you and say we need a revised net sheet are you patient in giving us oh yes we can do that. multiple net <laughs> okay, sheets yeah, they're in the system it's easy okay um, because I think it's so important um, through my years I there have been so many times I've heard the stories when the seller listed their home they thought they were walking away with X but as the offer came in price reductions whatever was happening they walked away with less and they didn't realize it and I've heard brokers say how did they not know we just took it for less people are not thinking that there is so much going on in their world that when they have a number in their head sometimes they don't think to do the math that oh I'm getting less and so we need to help our client and show them here here's where your that number will be now are we good and so I, it's crucial absolutely crucial yeah. and there might be I don't know something tells me there's like a law or a rule or something out there that says um, brokers need to be accountable to the funds not necessarily putting them like making sure earnest money gets to escrow but um, in doing a net sheet for a seller um, I'm, I don't know if I'm going reasonable to. skill and care that's why yeah that's why I want Jen to do the net sheet and there you brokers go there you the go sheet, right yeah so so Jen or what talk about I mean when she talks when Shelly talks about sellers being surprised at closing talk to me about state bond money so we do um, a lot of state bond loans um, seconds um, and so oh uh, just to clarify we're not talking about the buyer in this transaction no, coming with state bond money. Seller. Um, the seller, when they purchased, they took state bond money. Mm -hmm. And th that's a big surprise. You've probably okay. experienced that when we get the title report. There's that second on there, and they don't realize that they have a second because they're not paying on that loan. Um, so we have a lot of them that'll be, they'll fill out their opening paperwork and they'll just say, oh, we have one mortgage. Well, you really do have two mortgages because there's that second. Washington State bond loan and they don't realize that they have that you know ten to fifteen thousand dollar loan on there and they have to pay that off at closing and we'll call them and we'll remind them and they're like oh yeah we forgot we have to pay that off yeah. so there's that kind of little because the state bond money when they took it as a buyer it was a loan it shows up with a deed of trust against title but they never get a mortgage statement they don't pay a monthly payment on it they don't even get a reminder of that until they go to sell the property yep. okay. I always kind of I always kind of we always look at our money that's coming out and I always make sure that we're clear that the seller's getting enough and netting out and I always make sure my agents especially on those and um, 
anytime that a utility bill is way higher than what we think it should be, like if it's over $500, because there's some cities that like to collect $1,000, or we always send those to agents ahead of time so that the seller is not calling going, oh, what is this? So that they're not surprised. Communication, so, you mean? Yes. I try to communicate back to my agents as well. So so you make it a two-way street. Mm -hmm. um, I want to talk more about what good communication looks like, but let's let's save that for, for a little bit. Um, when you you said that one of the things that you are seeing right now in escrow, I think you said is um, sellers making more concessions to buyers. Mm -hmm. That's starting to be a shift in the market. Still, sellers market, but so what if uh, um, something comes along where during the inspection contingency negotiations, let's say, buyer asks seller to pay some of buyer's closing costs. You didn't hear about it at the time that the offer was written. Is that a problem? It is. Um, I kind of need to know that addendum. I'll get loan docs and it'll have on their CD that seller's paying $10,000 worth of closing costs, but I had no idea. So I get that instruction from the lender, but I don't have that instruction from my buyer and seller in an addendum or on the purchase and sale agreement. So I email the lender and say, uh, how do you know that? Okay. And they're like, oh, well, we got an addendum. So I email my agents, but it kind of tunnels our workflow because everybody wants to sign now and I kind of need that and I can't get a hold of everybody. because. So all of a sudden you can't close the transaction timely, not because of a problem in your office, but because the broker didn't have good communication with you up front. Right. Or in this case, it was as the transaction evolved, the, that addendum didn't exist at the time of mutual acceptance, but it, it came along after mutual acceptance. Brokers, Shelly, how do you train brokers to make sure that they are not only communicating with the other side and with their own designated broker, but the importance of communicating with escrow so that escrow is not blindsided at closing? It's huge, right? Because they're, they're your partner. If you give them the information too late, too close to the closing date, and now everybody is scrambling, they may not be able to do their piece timely in order for us to close on time. But if as soon as you haven't, like an addendum signed, you send it out to everybody. Put everybody on the same email, so it's just one email. Got the lender, you got escrow, you got the other broker, you got the other firm. Whoever needs to know, put them all in one and just send it off. It is just so simple. I think there's nothing more frustrating and worse for escrow, and just really for all parties, but I always feel for escrow when things are getting dumped on them at the last minute, and they're like, I had no idea. They're trying to help because they're not there to hurt us. They are there to help us, but they can only do so much too, you know, at, at a moment's notice. And so to help the whole transaction and to help escrow, make sure they know everything timely. When you know it, they should know it. If you receive something from the other party and you're not sure if they sent it to escrow, send it to them anyway. I bet escrow would love to have documents twice versus zero. Yes. <laughs> so, so Jen, how? let's pick up on this a little bit. Shelly's telling that she, she's saying that she trains her brokers to communicate well with escrow. On, on escrow's end, if you receive that email from broker, how is broker going to know that you received it? Do you? I email back and say thanks. <laughs> you always acknowledge. Mm -hmm, I do. Do you think that's typical within within the escrow industry that escrow officers are going to communicate back with their brokers so that this communication becomes a two way street? I would hope so. Yeah. Um, we don't. I 
I can't say for everybody, but I, I mean, we do reply. What if you send an email to a broker and you get no response? What does that tell you? I don't know if they got it or not. Don't know if they got it. Don't know if they connected with what the message was. So then do you have to follow up then? I go many transactions where I don't even talk to agents, believe it or not. Not because you're not trying, I suspect. Oh yeah, they get all kinds of emails, but I, I don't know if they, I mean, I pay them a commission, so I'm hoping, I know their buyers and sellers talk to them. Does, does that, know. are you handcuffed in that transaction if you're not getting communication from the broker? I mean, I get a commission demand from their office and I don't talk to them during the entire transaction. I just call their buyers and sellers, schedule them and send them a commission to their office. And, But I mean, it, it does, it's frustrating sometimes, but we just go on. Okay, so all right, you make the best of it. Yeah, close the transaction. So let's pick up a little bit on, you said that you're seeing, that part of the reason for maybe some of the longer closing dates is you're seeing some different types of transactions, some different types of financing vehicles. You mentioned seller carrybacks. Mm -hmm. Um, in real estate broker language, that means Form 22C, seller financing. I will say that we don't teach Form 22C very often. I have one class where I cover Form 22C. I suspect most of your brokers are not all that trained in seller carryback transactions. No. Um, I, I am not a fan. I, I'm okay, obviously, with seller financing. It is not for everybody. You really have to understand what is happening everyone needs an attorney to help them through this process um i would I, i'm gonna over my 30 years very very few seller financing being done and not just me just other brokers that i know but the reason why there's few that do it is because there are really few that are capable of doing it and are okay with the risk factor and i'm talking as the owner or seller mm -hmm. You, you need to understand what that means to you. So those and that's people not for everybody. Yeah. Those and people so, need to get sent to a lawyer. Yes. From escrow's perspective, looking at seller carryback, what's important to you? As Shelly said, I saw, her, I saw her smiling. Um, you have to think of it as, as a seller, I'm lending money to somebody. So in, in essence, I'm a lending institution. Um, there are laws. Um, for the Department of Financing in the state of Washington as a lending institution um, that sellers need to be aware of. Um, and that's a huge thing for brokers. Um, so as Shelly said, the best thing for a broker would be for them if, they, if that is a vehicle that they need to look into is for a buyer and seller to talk to a real estate attorney. Okay. Um, that would probably be the best advice. Um, okay, but here's the big but. Because I, I agree with you 100%. I wish every broker would send every potential seller financing buyer or seller to, to legal counsel. But we have a statewide form for yes. seller financing. So the fact is brokers will use the, 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 the statewide form for seller financing. I have never gotten one that's ever been filled out correctly. <laughs> I, I was just to say. I, they, okay, so brokers are. work with your managing brokers mm -hmm. who also may not know how to use the form. But when Form 22C is used, it requires attachment. Mm-hmm of either a real estate contract or a note and deed of trust or a note and deed of trust can you facilitate the brokers we can give them copies they're actually available online um, from the washington state board um, for lpo they're um, also available online through the northwest mls forms delivery system mm -hmm. but we're talking about the lpo 
which stands for? Limited practice officer. And, um, and, and so there are specific forms correct. that brokers must attach to the Form 22C for the real estate contract or for the note and deed of trust. Correct. And why is it important to you that they attach those LPO forms? So those are the forms that we're allowed to prepare for their clients. And those are the forms that we know that they've re read and approved and those are the forms that we can use for that transaction. Okay. So if they don't use the LPO form for we real estate- can't prepare them. You can't close that transaction. Right. Or you can maybe close the transaction, but somebody else is gonna have to provide those financing vehicles for you to use. Yep. You, can't you can't prepare the, the note, deed and trust, or the real estate contract mm -hmm. unless they use the LPO form, right? Can I ask a question for that? So for escrow, and I hear this quite often, Hey, escrow, I have a seller that wants to do financing. I got this form. What it, is the difference between a real estate contract and a That's promissory note? That's not a fair question for yep. But, right? So there, I'm assuming you get those questions, right? And then what do you do? They have to ask legal advice. Have to ask legal advice. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the number one reasons to go seek the advice of an attorney is because no, no one even knows what the difference is. They don't know what box to even check. Okay, so, and I, I immediately was jumping up to protect Jen in that, and I see that you were, you were trying to illustrate a point there. So let's work with your illustration. Buyer seller says, I need this information, or broker says, I gotta know this information. They, they could call the hotline and, and get a bit of an education on the difference between real estate contract and no need to trust. But they go to Jen, Jen says, can't tell you this, this is practicing law, I'm not licensed to practice law. Shelly, what, tell brokers in this video, what do you need to say to Jen when she says, I can't give you legal counsel? Do you need to jump up and down and say, but yes, you've got to tell me the answer to this question. What, how do you respond, brokers? Okay, first of all, be kind to your escrow officer, no matter what the answer Aww, is. <laughs> because they, once again, are not here to harm the transaction or to hurt you. But as everybody in the real estate industry, we all have our peace. And so escrow has their piece, they have their boundaries. There's only so much that they can do or answer questions on. Same thing as a broker, same thing as a lender. So when you get an answer that you don't like, please do not yell at them. Just say, okay, thank you. Can you tell me, do you have any suggestions of who I can talk to to get this answer? Because they're not just gonna say, no. They, they probably know. I have to tell you through the years, um, the escrow officers that I have worked closely with, I mean, I lean on them because I know I don't know everything and I lean on them saying, help me. I Is that what you question. expect, Jen? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we would, we would give them referrals or give them some options. Yeah. Yeah. I love escrow. <laughs> Everyone should love <laughs> We're their escrow. We're not just going to kick you out to the curb, no, that's for sure. No, Huge wealth of knowledge can, can help guide you through it can tell you the definition of words that they use and you're like, I have no idea what that is. And they're like, it means this, great. You know? So what I just heard you say is that escrow is a mind reader. No. Right, Jen? <laughs> no. <laughs> I wish. Okay. Not mind readers no. still comes down to gotta have that good communication, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, really quickly, um, we're gonna wrap up this video, but you had talked about some of the different programs you had mentioned the seller carryback. You'd also said adjustable rate mortgages. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, I'm sorry, you did say adjustable. I, I, what I meant to say, though, was the other A word, assumptions. So yes. adjustable rate mortgages, those carry different types of requirements, mm -hmm. and we're going to expect maybe longer lo closing times, maybe if there's some lender familiarity or unfamiliarity with the program. Talk about an assumption. So um, I'm a seller, and I have a VA loan. Um, those are pretty typical. Um, that's something that I can market that that loan is assumable. Um, VAs are usually always assumable. Some FHA loans are assumable. Um, actually, conventional financing adjustable rate mortgages um, programs are assumable. Some of them are. Um, but those programs, when the market kind of goes in this so uh, we've way. got a we've got a seller who's selling up and they have a VA loan at four percent mm -hmm. from yesterday and now rates are I don't know what VA rates are but let's just pretend they're at six percent we that's what you're saying is that's a marketable product for that seller to make their home more attractive mm -hmm. VA or I have this VA loan so does that buyer have to be a VA buyer they do okay um, so they, they do have to be, have to be veteran um, and they have to get approved through that existing lender so there is a process there's two different kinds of um, assumptions. Um, they have to go through the lender and they have to go through that process and assume the loan and so it's a whole kind of closing um, just like a sale so they're buying the property they're assuming the loan and that sort of thing um, just like the whole loan process and everything. Um, there are uh, assumptions where like on a real estate contract um, they buy on a real estate contract with the seller the seller is still making a payment so the um, they're assuming it, but they're not officially assuming it, and they're making the payments through that's the seller. That's a wrap, seller. Yeah, and that's wrap. also available on the 22C. Yes, so there and is. all kinds of risks associated with yes, that, with the is. seller's loan being called, and then nobody can pay it off. And yeah. So wraps are risk category all on their own, mm -hmm. but what you're talking about is the VA assumption. It is something that we're likely to see in the coming market. Mm -hmm. uh, escrow can facilitate with that process but understand that the buyer's going to still have to go get loan approval and that usually takes a long time it longer does. than the traditional 30-day close oh yes yeah usually 60 to 90 days if not longer so okay lots of paperwork involved okay everybody gets involved in that one agents lender everybody's always involved in that one all right we've covered a lot in this video most of it under the heading of communication I don't feel like any escrow officer should ever leave a video without talking about wire instructions yes. under that category of good <laughs> communication. So why don't you, Shelly, is there anything else you want to cover before we sign off? No, just be kind to your escrow officer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Jen, why don't you take us to, to closing? Yes. Closing of this video with one last reminder about wire instructions. So wire instructions are a big thing, um, wire fraud, um, actually fraud in general, but wire instructions are a big thing. Um, when getting wire instructions from a title company and your settlement agent, make sure that they're encrypted. And once you receive them, always call a no net number for your settlement agent and verify them before you send your wire to your settlement agent. So brokers, that means that if Jen is your closing agent, your closing officer in this transaction, buyer brokers, you're going to give Jen, I'm sorry, you're going to give your buyer Jen's phone number or her team's phone number. Mm -hmm. And you're going to instruct your buyer before you go to, to your bank and wire your down payment or your earnest money or whatever it is you might be wiring, you're going to pick up the phone, you're going to call this phone number that I'm giving you. 
And you're going to verify that the wire instructions you have in front of you are accurate, right? Mm -hmm. And we usually send those out encrypted and they get a PDF of those. And when you get an email a day before that says there's a sense of urgency, you got to deposit your, earnest, your, your down payment now, here's the new wire instructions. We don't ever change that our wire never instructions. That will never ever happen. Yeah from escrow. That will only happen through fraud. Mm -hmm. right? Okay. If you have questions on this topic or other, please visit warealtor.org. Click the link for legal hotline. Ask me a question through that link. If I need help from Jen or Shelly in answering that question, I'll get it. Thank you for being a Washington Realtor member.